So let's open the situation for comments or queries. Can you say anything about whether there's a Buddhist perspective on the soul and how that might relate to citta? What would a soul? What's a soul? Uh, there's a word here that is translated as soul, jiva. Don't see it very often. Yeah, jiva. And notice this is very close to jivata, which is life force. Where there's life force, there's soul. Where there's soul, there's life force. Life is soulful. But that's not self. <laughs> it's it's a, uh, you know, it, whatever that word means, or whatever we, whatever we want to kind of wrap around it, uh, it suggests there's a sense of receptivity, poignancy, the animate experience. Everything affects everything, everything's animated. Everything's animated, everything sentiency. It, it vibrates, it resonates, it shines, it, it interacts, it flows, <coughs> it uh, decays, it squabbles, it breathes, it's seething. <laughs> it's all animated, yeah? And it's all <coughs> signaling. It's all signaling, you know? So, uh, you know, so you get the kind of fundamental um, religious disposition of human beings was animism. It's actually pretty, pretty observant. Just observing, everything is talking. Just because we don't all have the same language, it's, everything is saying something. You know, it's saying alarm. It's saying want to grow. It's you know, it's in its own terms. You know? And clearly, there were people who could read those signs and signals. So oh, you know, sky's not pleased. <laughs> you think, yeah. But then you find out it actually worked <laughs> to some degree. So life is soulful, soulful universe. Um, but you see, so like if you look into into this, uh, you know, Buddhist presentations, it's extremely soulful. There's all kinds of tree spirits, yeah, spirits in the waters, nagas, cobras, uh, weird. Birds, angelic beings, is stacked. <laughs> that's the good stuff. Then you got down below. You got the hungry ghosts, the titans, the demons. It's stacked from top to bottom. Everything's kind of vibrating and bleating and wailing and ululating or silent, resonant, shimmering, shining, gleaming. You know? <laughs> that's the nature of cosmos. Cosmos means the, 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 the ornament, the adorned, everything sparkling. Uh, <laughs> but you can't isolate an entity out of that. You can't encapsulate something that's distinct, it's all woven up. You know, trees are trees because of soil. Soil is soil because of trees. Trees and soil are because of rain. Rain is because of clouds. Clouds are because of rivers. Rivers are because of earth. 
Beavers create lakes. <laughs> Where does it all begin? It's all interwoven. So the soulful cosmos is vibrant and interactive, dependent. And that's just the, that we, then we're looking at just purely in terms of what we call physicality, which is a little bit of an illusion. Materiality is a kind of form of energy, a condensed form of energy, but we see nothing material actually retains materiality to crumble and slide into something else. So it's, it's all mobile. Uh, and then where where does mind begin? Yeah. Mind begins as, as the animate response to contact impressions. Something vibrates. Insects do that. Yeah. Trees experience contact. They search for water. They turn towards light. They turn yeah. the leaves up. They grow that way. Not, not as quick as we do, but they're definitely moving. They know contact too, and they're activated by contact. Grow that way. So there's this process. Where does mind begin? Do trees have minds? Do we have minds? <laughs> we have a particular kind. So we call mind, then we get very exclusive about it. You know, nothing else has got any intelligence apart from us. Wolves have intelligence, fish have intelligence, trees have some kind of intelligence, they know where they put their roots, they know when to drop their leaves. So where does mind begin? Now we recognise you can't actually clearly designate a distinction. Mind, the the mentality of, of the soulfulness is one of the forms that arises out of this animate cube and it's not separate from it okay that's that's the soul if you like but you can't say it's the because you're still kind of somehow what's standing outside it judging it it's all interwoven now you know so there's that so we all can you see actually we come into what we call mind, then also there's a whole kind of universe there, isn't there? There's memory, perception, intuition, aspiration, energy, tenderness, sensitivity, directive, urgency, stuff arising. And then you were mentioning the other day about collective unconsciousness. Where does my mind begin and yours end? When we speak, whose mind is speaking? Who's listening? Where are the words? Where's the understanding happening? When I speak, my voice comes in. What does that voice contain? A particular accent. Where did that come from? Born in London. How did it get modulated? You know. So all these. You know. And then the images that we might bring up are probably most familiar to our particular culture, but they probably have similar images in different cultures. So there's no real boundaries in that. Therefore. There's no self. Self implies this is mine, that's not mine. If that word soul has any, any meaning to it, I mean, it's, uh, it's again 
he brought word up, so that's what it touches in me. I think the problem is, is the elimination. The problem is the, is the elimination of that sense of whatever soul can carry, that word can carry, a sense of something's meaningful, mysterious, beyond reason, you know, but felt. Uh, right? So that, that experience. Now if we eliminate that, or discard it as just you know, fantasy or something like that, I think it's very dangerous. And that's kind of what we tend to do. We've sort of eliminated most of the spirits from the cosmos. The devas have been shot. God's definitely had it. (laughs) 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 You know, actually the one, a bit of a miserable old so-and-so, so so in many respects, so thanks, you know, but kind of to de-animate everything, it turns everything into commodities. Another person asks, I'm wondering about the teachings of the Trikayas in terms of the territory of the soul or the devas. Yeah, Sambhogakaya. So these t- the three Trikayas, this was um, kind of a configuration that uh, rose probably in the first, second century, something like that. So the thing and trying to kind of recognize what is this Buddha thing? You know, so Buddha's not you know, there's certainly some person who was given that title, Buddha, but Buddha's not a flesh and blood thing, is it? Buddha's a kind of awakening. So how would we like to really dwell upon that Buddha as a kind of an awakening energy or an awakening principle or something like that? So rather than just this physicality. So it's okay, well then we look at this kind of experience or this reference world we have Buddha and say Nirmanakaya, which means yeah, there's a historical entity, correct? And that's beautiful because the fact that all this amazing stuff could happen through this physical form is pretty wonderful news. And of great respect and amazing that a human being could actually realize all this. That's that's really inspiring. And uh, Sambhogakaya was this presentation of the images, the teachings, the whole vast sparkling array of dhammas. So that's also, you could also say, you know, when the Buddha said, you know, when I'm gone, the dhamma vineyard will be there. That's replacement. So, okay, physical nimanakaya's off the planet. Then you've got this wonderful Sambhogakaya, this wonderful storehouse of, of uh, teachings that can be enjoyed and delighted in and rejoiced over. And then uh, Dharmakaya, which is... <laughs> you brought it up. <laughs> which is perhaps the realization experience, yeah? And the realization experience which has got no words, no concept in it. You could say it's emptiness or openness or unconditioned. I think we'll settle for that, shall we? <laughs> You were saying there is no me and no not me. There is no soul. But then what gets passed on? That's generally the next question that comes out. <laughs> <laughs> if there's no self, what gets what is rebirth? This old old chestnut bring that one out for another another cooking. 
Well, <laughs> let's gain, take our guidelines from the present experience. <laughs> Can we deny there is an experience of self, the experience of me? And we all experience yeah, that experience of me. Yeah. It's an experience of selfhood. I'm here. Tomorrow I'll be going doing this. That's definitely a reference point, a location. Yeah. And then, if we, as a suggestion, if we actually kind of explore that, so well, actually, there's nothing, no, can't actually find a single entity in that. There's a whole multiplicity of uh, kind of possibilities and potentials that are kind of coalescing. From time to time, they might coalesce around uh, what I'm going to do next year. And my grandchildren getting on, uh, it's time for dinner, or it could coalesce around any particular theme that becomes my theme. So that potency to experience a kind of multiplicity of dhammas, and then it it, then it would, by and large, it will tend to crystallise around a certain theme, which becomes my topic of the day or the moment. That crystallization experience. Okay. That keeps happening, doesn't it? Yes. Who does that? Yes. Who does that? So there's the potency of potential self or this yeah. All this stuff. Something selects. And that's what does that? Chanda, motivation. Obviously, it's a motivation. The motivation could be how can I help so and so? Quite a helpful motivation. It could be what I'm going to do about this, rather worried motivation. So there's some motivation called chanda. Chanda. Motivation and attention forms around that. Let's give that some attention. Contact suddenly engages with it, and then things start moving. This is the Rising out of dhammas comes the sense of me at this particular time. Okay. Now it may be that 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 agency forms around particular themes repeatedly. It forms in particular ways, like, defined by a certain degree of the interest is never exactly neutral whether it's helpful or mean or whatever it is it's always got some flavouring to it flavouring of that interest that flavouring acts like a kind of perfume say a flavouring in the field of dumbness the potency to crystallise in certain ways it may be not just one way, but several of them. Now that that fragrance, that perfuming, that potency, that potentiality persists. Tomorrow, the same kind of crystallizations occur. Because I have a strong potential to care for something. I have a strong potential to get irritated about politics. I get a strong potential to yeah, I get strong potentials. The more I follow it, the more those build up. Okay? So tomorrow, 
And gradually in my lifetime, what's happening is I'm going in a certain direction based upon that incremental increase of potentiality in a certain direction. This is called karma. That means we've been shaped and directed and formed in certain ways. I go to sleep at night, wake up, there it is again. Yeah. I have a car accident, crashed, unconscious in hospital, wake up for a moment. Who's feeding the cat? <laughs> it pops up again. <laughs> Could it be? Could it be that when this falls away, could it be that this jiva, this jivitam, that we've mentioned, this life force, is still containing those fragrances, those potencies, and starts to form again, form jitta again. You know, in, uh, that's that's uh, a supposition. Uh, and so there's the potential for further becoming and so uh, as we all know we cannot empirically prove one way or another we cannot prove one way or another but we might reflect how you know, when I was a little kid, I was never interested in that. I was really interested in that. Where did that come from? Do we all start out tabula rasa, completely blank? Or were there any tendencies? Most of us have a tendency, obviously, to move towards parents. Yeah. But even little ones have distinct proclivities one way or another. Uh, you know, so the sense is, if there, if there was no transmigration, then we'd all start out totally clean slate. Of course, we can't exactly remember what it was like when we were young, but I don't think we have a recollection of being a clean slate. Mostly, there was something bubbling away: concerns, fears, anxieties, uh, and so forth. And uh, you, you know, you meet the case sometimes of twins. I know people who are twins, twin sisters, and there's a lot of similarities. But the, they came out of the same womb seconds later. One went this way, one went that way. So we have to just bear in mind that if there's no transmigration of anything, we'd arrive totally neutral, and there'd be no tendencies. Uh, but actually there is a strong tendency and the tendency that all of us uh, carry is the tendency to form a self tendency for that chanda, that interest to crystallize certain certain qualities and get interested in them that tendency to form a self does transmigrate so we all arrive with that 
that piece of potential for that operating system. And I didn't, probably if you look at your, your close relatives, particularly your sisters, brothers, or so coming from the same family background, particularly if they're quite close, how come we're so different? We may say different events happen, but the suggestion is that there were latent tendencies were present even in birth. So that's, that's roughly speaking an explanation uh, of the theory of it. <laughs> yeah. Somebody asks, when I think about what gets passed on, I tend to think more of the role of genetics. To me, Buddhism doesn't seem to give enough weight to the social or family element in our development. Yeah, it's much more, uh, much more acceptable to understand, oh yes, we're different because we recognize genes get passed on into one little tiny cell. What? So why can't minds get passed on? It's because we don't have a, a, a way of measuring it. And that's, of course, the, always the problem with science. If you can't measure it, it doesn't exist. That's the finality, you know, that's what the scientific view tends to be. When they find they've got new instruments, oh, well, it does exist. We just didn't have a way of recording it before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's always coming to conclusions, and then 50 years later, they say, oh, actually, that was because the readings were wrong. Now, <laughs> uh, if we kind of just playfully go back to those old, old crazy old animists who used to go beating drums and praying to the sky. <laughs> Perhaps they were right. <laughs> We're in an animate universe where forces are playing, continuing and interacting. And, uh, there's, and there's no clear separation between body and mind. So, you know, body comes, or embodiment comes with, with kind of minds sort of infused in it. We look at the basis of it, everything feels and responds. Because we've limited mind to the cognitive faculty, we said because you know we have that and truth don't do algebra, therefore they don't have minds. Well, define mind as that, of course it's true. But if you begin to open up the picture of intelligence, trees have intelligence. Regarding the concept of chi, does that life force come with intelligence imbued in it? Well, intelligence means the ability to receive experience and respond to it. In a, um, I say logical, but in a appropriate way. Somebody comments. I so appreciated your comments about the beauty of the freedom the Buddha had was to choose to teach out of compassion. So his enlightenment was not the end point, but it was the responsive space that resulted. That was so beautiful. Yep. <laughs> 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 yeah, so clearly the, the depiction of you know, the Buddha realized Nibbana, then sort of still, kind of from that stilling, doesn't just arise, the teacher arises to do quite a considerable amount of analysis. So it's apparently the six or seven weeks after his awakening, he's doing dependent origination. I think there might have been a few thoughts in there. <laughs> <laughs> Something was moving. Well, it was still. It didn't it still, but um, 
But still, it doesn't mean destroyed. It means the wave is going down. What's destroyed, the only word destroyed is craving. Is there anything that's destroyed? Craving. So it's stealing of sankaras. And then clearly they can arise. But they're arising without craving. And without conceiving, I am. Is the rising of sankaras. So somehow, you know, from that basis, there's the potential, the potency to arise for these, this particular specific specificality of, the, of a Samasambuddha specific which is frozen through so they, clearly you know, a lot of people are mystified by this so this is where this kind of whole story arises about oh you know way back five kalpas ago this Samadha bowed to Dipankara Buddha said I want to be a Buddha in the future and said okay we're well, doing some work <laughs> 560 whatever it's lifetimes so it's developing parami so that's, that's where that parami thing comes from so in that developing through all these trials and tribulations and determinations and resolutions to transcend developing huge vast merit field yes, that's the term that then when this individuals you know Gautama what we call the individual Gautama, is carrying, this jitta is carrying a huge amount of potency, all the stuff. Then the jitta, not him as a person, but the jitta subdues, the Sankara subdues, the jitta then realizes, and it realizes it begins to unfold its merit field, right? unfold its potencies. First way it unfolds them is to begin to elaborate, to really elaborate the understanding of conditionality <laughs> so that's been that's become that's unfolded out of this potency of wisdom virtue truth resolution all the stuff he's been developing over lifetimes yeah. well that's all there and then then also but then the, probably the, perhaps the person thinks yeah, i don't know teaching what is this and then going back to that 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 sort of dharma potential now we get this Brahma Sahampati figure. So Brahma Sahampati, um, so again, sorry if you don't like cosmology, but this is the overlord of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> Saham means Pati's father, father of all. We've all heard one of those. So what's that? You know, oh goodness. Um, we might say well, if we're actually kind of deconfiguring this cosmology, some sort of awareness of the whole span of cosmos, awareness of the span of sentiency, awareness of the vastness of so that's arising for this in this being. So their own dumber potency arises recognizing the, the vast universe, the vast cosmos of sentiency and the suffering and the struggling and all that and there might be a possibility to bring this force to some beings in this vast universe cosmos might be able to pick up this stuff that I've realized right? that was his recognition you know there might be a few who've got some sort of potencies because you know I did it happened here so maybe it's out there so okay 
for those with a little dust in their eyes, I will present this. And I think actually, my sense is that some of the most important decisions we make, we don't make. They kind of, I've got to do this. Decisions we make are always a bit coming from somewhere up there. They're not really decisions, they're just kind of reactions to try to try to get something together. They're functional. But the real decisions, the real life change decisions, I think I want the feel movement. I'm interested I want to do Dhamma. It's not even verbal, it's some kind of movement. And my sense is that's what happened for this being. The amount of potency that he was carrying, just more or less it that's where you're going. You know, it, it, it demands. It demands. It demands expression. It demands. It's called to express itself, and that's of course the. You say it's the fundamental religious experience. You're called. Some people are called to God. Some people are called to different persuasions. But we something that says, "Go do this. This is, this is important." It may have rationality to it, but it's probably something more primal than that. And I think that's where that decision came from. Now, that's a Samma Sambuddha. Samma Sambuddha. So, Samma Sambuddha, Samma fulfilled uh, self or innately realized. So, the nature of Buddha is it's realized without other human beings instructing them which is a pretty tough thing to do. Samma, translated as rightly, is a term I kind of question. I think it means more like completely or fulfilled. It means they have also the fullness of the potential to bring forth bodhi, to bring forth teaching. They have that full potential. They fully Awakened. Now you get other Buddhas called Pacheka Buddhas, and they're, they're considered to be also those beings who have realization, they can't, they don't have the potential to teach or train or transmit it. So they've got lesser potency. Arahant doesn't have the potential to realize without being deliberately instructed. So there is these limitations and gradations of potential. And, uh, you know, <laughs> the Buddha never really talked about this that much. Basically because he said, just don't figure me out, figure you out. There's <laughs> 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 no point. But of course, nobody's content with doing that. <laughs> so after he died, what do you think about this Buddha? Where did he come from? Well, it must have been this thing. So you've got all the kind of... Speculate. So then, this sense, this kind of kind of feeling, was it's pretty unique. How did this unique being? How did this happen? So, the sense of well, it's probably through lifetimes, because of the sense of this sense of transmigration uh, become to be uh, established. Then, just as this transmigration means that certain flavorings are carried forth. Maybe some of those flavorings are very positive flavorings, like the flavoring towards 
goodwill or truth or flavoring towards search for search for search for realization. Maybe that's being carried forth. It's being carried forth. It's gradually shaping and strengthening over lifetimes. So this is the kind of what we call the parami teaching, and it's a helpful teaching because. It gives us all of us something to say. Well, you know, if I keep establishing these po- these potentials for resolution, for honesty, for nonviolence, for sincerity, for loving kindness, keep crystallizing around those potentials. They're gonna they're gonna bear fruit. They're gonna build up, and they by themselves they will tend to eliminate the opposites. Truthfulness will eliminate deceitfulness. Loving kindness will eliminate um, ill will. So then, well, you know, I don't know if I could be a Buddha, but at least I could keep energizing these potentials and we'll see where it goes. Another question. Could you elaborate, please? Is the most basic link in the dependent origination, is that the I am singularity? Is there an asava independent of the I am? Yeah, well, the person covers actually the asava. You know, the, 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 the vortex of becoming and sensuality and ignorance is the formative. The eye forms out of the asava. Underneath that, underneath the asava, the asava depend on something else, <laughs> which is called Anutsaya. Latent tendencies, so one of the latent tendencies is the latent tendency to form a self, <laughs> which is a latent tendency, So as I was suggesting earlier, you know, when we came into this birth, we definitely got working on building a self without being told to, <laughs> independent of the details of it. That's the latent tendency that hasn't been resolved. So based on that latent tendency, the potential, you could say, um, birth, birth, that latent tendency can get activated. And then it, you know, or and not just in birth, but in every day, latent tendencies can activate in the asava. The asava are kind of a rising up, a welling up into, into the field of activity. Another question. Earlier you talked about the four areas of crystallization of clinging. Sense pleasures, becoming, and principles or ethics. What was the fourth? Fourth was the notion of self. What am I? Am I? What was I? What will I be? Could I be? Why did I be? How did I become this? Having become this, will I be that? Well, maybe I should be this. <laughs> In the future, I might be that. Or perhaps I'm one of these. <laughs> Trying to form something. So we'll take a pause there.